This is Radio Taiwan International. You're listening to Radio Taiwan International. I am Natalie So. Up this hour on Just the Classics, we have the songs of Lin Yichun, an unlikely pop star here in Taiwan. But first, join us for a live recorded version of Here in Taiwan. It is Tuesday, November 17th, and you're listening to Here in Taiwan, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Today in the studio, we have Shirley Lin, and I am Natalie So, and we'll be talking to you about why the mayor wants older people to keep working and younger people to get married. And also, what is your favorite Taiwanese food? We're telling you about a hot new Taiwanese restaurant in New York. And what one woman did on her wedding day that was very unconventional. Those stories and more are coming right up. But, you know, the Taipei mayor came out over the weekend. He was actually at a fair. It was a job fair for middle-aged and elderly people. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to encourage them. He said, you know, um, the elderly, like 65 years and older, should go back to the work workforce. And the reason is, is because Taiwan is becoming a super-aged society. By uh, 2025, which is just five years away, about 20% of Taiwanese are going to be 65 years and older. So he said it's really important um, that we need more. Does that include me? No. uh, That's a secret. (laughs) Yeah. I don't mind telling my age. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, oh, Douglas says it sounds fine, Shirley. So we're all sounding good. Thank you. Um, So... uh, uh, Mayor Klaus says that um, unless we have more immigrants coming in, like young people, um, then, you know, we're going to have a labor shortage. So that's what he wants is for us to continue working until we're really, you know, until we can't work anymore, I guess. Um, he said that, you know, although more than 30 percent of Japan's elderly population is still working, only oh. about 8 percent of Taiwan's is still working. Oh, well, do any of your in-laws and parents work? My but dad's still working. He's still working? How old is he's he? He's 84. Wow. <laughs> that's awesome. Because it's got his own business. You know, no, that's different. Just don't I retire. mean, does he work full time though? Or, um, or just part time? Actually, he's mostly working from home, I'd say. Yeah. So, so, I mean, when you have your own business, you can create your own hours right. and do your own thing. More flexible. Yeah, so, that is true. Um, so. Well, he says that, um, this is what he said exactly. I encourage everyone to erase the idea of retiring from your mind (laughs) Um, at age 65, because if you do not work, there will be a labor shortage, Mm. a labor shortage in this nation. And he says the average life expectancy in Taiwan is 84 years old, which is quite high. So if people retire at the age of 65, then how is the nation going to support you for 20 years? True. So it's hard to imagine where all your money is going to come from when you're retired. I mean, unless you have property, right. and we don't have much of a retirement uh, income here. Mm-hmm. We don't have Social Security and all that. Mm. I mean, nothing as, as, uh, as uh, we have a little bit. You know, we have a little bit. Not uh, not enough not, to uh, right. feel secure about. So. Yeah, that gives me hope. I know that I, I you know, at, after my retirement age, I can still keep on working. But what can I do? We, what Have you thought about this? We can uh, do this. Well, I guess yeah. I can teach English, but... Oh, you could. Is that you about it? You could always teach English. Um, yeah, I could. But I, wish I would like to write. I think oh. writing's a fun thing to do. I don't know if I can get paid for that. Probably. Yeah, you should. Yeah. I mean, you should get paid. So, like, you know, when my kids are all grown and I have more time, I might do other things than I'm, you know, in addition to what I'm doing now. Yeah. I enjoy what I'm doing now. But um, you, I think you, I would like to continue to doing, you know, media work or writing. Oh, okay. Um, Good idea. Maybe I'll continue to do interviews, but I don't know how, in what, in what 
in what capacity? I mean, I guess. I mean, you know, now everything's online. You can just do interviews and then put them online, and you guys can still hear these inspiring stories. I mean, of all these people that I interview, that's why I love doing interviews. Is I want to share their inspiring stories with people. It is fun to you know hear people's life stories. Yeah. What would you guys like to do after sixty-five? Those of you who are listening, do you plan to continue to work? I mean, I don't think you have to go to work all like full time when you're right. sixty-five. Maybe right? part time, you know, or would volunteer work count? Of course, yeah. I think keep we should active. Keep ourselves productive. Yes, and, productive. Um, so I think it's a good idea to stay productive. And I think, um, you know, older people have a lot to contribute to society. And it right. makes them feel good about themselves, right? I think that's great. That's yeah. great. We're, we're past the age of having more babies. But <laughs> <laughs> at least we can continue to work after we, I mean, there's going to be no such word as retirement. Okay, fine. So we have some comments here. Um, let's see. Kamariano Wasman says, I usually listen to RTI, especially in Indonesian. Oh, so he's an Indonesian listener. All right. Okay, people are talking about food here. Um, we're going to get to food very soon. <laughs> uh, Dwi Budi Rahardo likes beef noodles. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's like our national dish, I would say. I know, it's like a classic. Yes, and Jen Delari says it's very, very tasty. Lots of noodles, beef, lettuce, and five spice seasoning. Yes, there's a special seasoning that goes with that that makes it makes it really delicious right but there are different kinds of beef noodles mm-hmm. you know there's some with tomatoes there's some that in a clear broth then there's some, some in the heavy broth yeah or even like chinese herbal kind of broth maybe. i like actually the clear broth mm. how about you i love tomato i like the tomato Soup too. something yeah i yeah. love that yeah so oh jen has something to talk about a retirement my dad only retired when he couldn't do his work anymore, well past retirement age, he was a truck driver. Wow. And oh, really enjoy yeah. the work. Mm. That seems like a tiring job, though. But I guess yeah. you get used to it. You get really good at it, right? Mm-hmm. And he only stopped when he couldn't do it anymore. His reflexes aren't what they used to be. Oh, yes. So safety is, is an issue. Yeah. Safety you is more keep, important. You want to keep yourself safe. Ooh, someone is talking about fresh fish soup is my favorite local food. That's from Ivan Dye. Mm. We have fish port in Tainan, and fish comes in fresh every day. It's so convenient to get fresh fish. Oh, yeah. That sounds really good. Right, because we're in an island country. We're surrounded by water. So, obviously, we have fresh seafood all the time. Yes. We do. And, okay, one other thing that the mayor said about our personal lives, actually, Mm -hmm. is go get married. All right, for young people, we're already married. We're already married, and we already got kids. We got kids. We got five kids between the two of us. Yeah, she did well. She had three kids. (laughs) Good for you. So, I kind of wish I had more. Mine are growing up, and... You know, I feel sad. Oh, well, just wait around. You'll have grandchildren. (laughs) (laughs) You'll have them before I do. So one of her daughters is married. So she's actually doing what the mayor has said. Young people should get married. She got married very young, right? 23. Wow. So has she adjusted well to married life? Does she like it? Oh, yeah. It looks like they're still in honeymoon. Oh, good for them. They're incredible. They're now 24. Oh, that's really young, actually. I know, isn't it? I think so, too. So I think people usually get married here around. 28 or 30 I know, something later i mean i got married at 29 so yeah that's normal so i mean the merit uh, the age of you know when people get married is going higher in taiwan it's very normal to get married around 30 mm. so i don't know but what it's like in your country do people get married young or um later nowadays yeah so, write us, let us know so anyways taiwan is dealing with a low birth rate so usually you have to get married first 
before you want to have a baby. So, you know, so the, so the mayor is encouraging people to get married. So they need to actually put in more incentives. Oh, they al- also said that people are actually not um, unwilling to have children, uh-huh. but they're not that willing to get married or they're not getting married. Okay. You know, so they're enjoying their single life. Let's put it that way. Oh, okay. So they're marrying later. They're willing to have babies, well, but they're marrying later. Yeah, it's not like they're against having children, but they're just not getting married, so they're not going to have children. Uh, so I wonder why why that is. Because they think that we're our salaries is considered low compared to other countries in the world, I think. And they think, think it's just cost a lot to raise children. That's that's always the um, their mentality. Oh, that's, that's the way they people think. People here are very practical. Sometimes they want to have a home very before much. they get married. Yeah. Or, you know, something like stable, like something um, in the bank or something. <laughs> it's not just romance <laughs> when yeah, it comes so, to marriage. You know, so it's common to have both parents working. So it's like double income families. So so anyways, I don't know. Well, we'll see if people listen to the mayor or not. Do you think the advice he gave is good? Um, you can let us know what you think. Should people be getting married and uh, working when yeah, they're old? working when they're old. Whoops, sorry. Let me get this out here. Okay, we're going to talk about Taiwanese food. Look at how look at how delicious this looks. I mean, can you guys see this right now? It's um, it's some food from oh, a, wait a food a what new. Happened? Oh, you got the uh, the keyboard up instead. You know what I'm going to do? Oh, sorry. Here, let's do this. <laughs> I'm also going to drop the link in our comments so you guys can take a good yes. look for yourself. It just looks so yeah. good, doesn't it? That's the beef noodle soup. Yeah, so that's beef noodle soup. And there's usually like other stuff like um, vegetables and uh, scallion have, have and a, egg. A egg. Right. So this place is called Yumpling. I'm actually giving a free advertisement again. Oh. But it's promoting Taiwanese food. So I love to do that. So they actually had a food truck, a very successful food truck um, in New York City. These three Taiwanese American guys. Guys. Oh, they're not Taiwanese. They're Taiwanese American. Oh, Taiwanese American. Okay, got yeah. it, got it, got it. And so um, what they did, they started a stand first at the Long Island City Flea Market in 2015. Then it grew into a beloved food truck. Um, and I guess I guess it's in, uh, yeah, I think it's in, oh, Queens. Okay. And uh-huh. then um, and well, there's always long lines and socially distant long lines nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> And so now they're opening a restaurant at a time like this. Oh. I mean, dur- during COVID. I see a picture of the three of them. So these are the three guys. And um, it's a lot of weekday office workers that love their food truck. And they only serve five things on their food trucks. They serve pan-fried pork dumplings. Do those oh, sound those good? Are good. Those are good. That's really yeah, good. Mm-hmm. They have a special like way of doing it. I'll tell you about that later. Oh, a okay. fried chicken sandwich. Mm. And rice bowls topped with either fried chicken, braised beef shank, or stir-fried eggplant. And now mm, that they're yeah. opening their own restaurant, they're going to add beef noodle soup. Well, and they should have also, that on the menu. Yeah, they have. Well, they couldn't do the beef noodles in the food truck. truck yeah. So it just kind of hard. Not enough uh, space and, mm. and you know facilities. But and they're also doing bubble tea now in nine That's varieties, including. Taro latte, early gray, and Taiwanese coffee flavors. They sound really creative. Yeah. So um, they said their dumplings are made with a thick dough 
have a pan-fried, and they also have chewy tops and crispy bottoms. Yeah. And they the have a, you really know, crispy. cilantro, scallion, house-made chili oil, and sesame seeds. What is your mm. favorite Taiwanese food, Charlie? I think, you mean like Taiwanese local specialty, right? Yeah. I think it would have to be ba wan. It's a, ah. what do they call it? Like a meat-filled um, dumpling, and it's got this chewy, you know, uh, wrap on the outside, and it co- comes with this sauce, and what can I say? It's, just I love my the favorite. chewy part of it. The chewy it's just part. It's like a chewy yeah. dough Sometimes thing. they have like chopped up bamboo shoot on the inside, you know, with the with the meat, you know, and... You know, we loved it. You used to love it so much that, you know, my, my brother lives in the States. And my mom, when he she goes visiting, she would actually bring it. This is supposed to be a secret. Oh, <laughs> let me hear. She she brings these frozen, you know, ba wan oh. in her suitcase. Oh, wow. And try to hide them. So <laughs> That's how once you get there, them. they're defrosted though, right? Yeah, but, but you know, you, well, have to, you just have to heat it up. Yeah, it, right, right. Because you, you, if you bring it over frozen... Gosh, why, why, why are we telling oh, you? Oh, why are you saying this? Then well, gonna, the immigration is going to come after you. <laughs> we can't kidding. help it. Custom, Just custom love people. this one. So yeah. I did drop the link here uh, if you want to see the pictures up close. What would I miss? Um, a lot of things I like here. You know, I think that they should bring um, cold sesame noodles, liang mian, oh, yeah, to, liang mian. to the cold rest of the noodles. world. I mean, it's really easy. It's not easy to make because the sauce is just so special. I don't know how it's they a make the thick sauce. Peanut flavored, peanut flavored kind of sesame, and you can eat sauce. it cold, you know. And then the noodles are like you know chewy, chewy. And, and and that's what all it is basically. And sometimes sometimes they you add, some add like shredded um, cucumbers and and maybe chicken like or other stuff. Carrots, yeah. It's a very simple dish, but it's just really delicious. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how they make it. It's Have great. You ever in tried the that summer. at home? No. You can't make the sauce that they make. It's just so good. Yeah. So and there are a lot of good things that it's great I, for the summer, people should it's so cooling. bring anyway. to other parts oh of the gosh, world. Oh, my gosh. You're showing more pictures of food. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking, you know, um, what other Taiwanese dishes that, uh, what Taiwanese dishes do you have in your city? Dumplings is a Taiwanese thing. And then what else is something very Taiwanese? Not Chinese, but Taiwanese. Uh-huh. Popcorn chicken, guabao, bubble tea, stinky tofu. Oh, and okay. cold noodles. Anyways, those are just some just suggestions. <laughs> um, if you have had any good Taiwanese food, you can share about the experience with us. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, good luck to these guys. Yumpling. It sounds pretty good, huh? Yumpling. <laughs> okay, yumpling. Okay, Shirley's going to tell us about this woman who made the news for doing something uh, different on her wedding day. <laughs> tell us about the tradition of the fan, first of all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you are, um, you know, from a family that's more down south, they have more traditions down there. And um, there are certain customs and rituals that you have to observe when you go through a wedding. So, like, for example, um, I think, uh, you know, the, the groom would go to the bride's family, uh, parents' place to pick up the bride. And before, and when, they, when the bride walks outside the house, um, somebody, somebody, maybe it's like the matchmaker, would have to hold a black umbrella over her head. This is supposedly to shield her from evil. Okay, oh, really? From, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. That's one tradition. Black umbrella. Another okay. tradition is that once the groom and the bride gets into the car, um, then she's supposed to open, roll down the window, throw out a hand fan out the door, saying, like, you know, goodbye to her own 
parents, like her own family. And like she, she is supposed to leave behind her temper or something like that. That's why they say throw the fan. <laughs> fan is like sans, sans. It means like leave, you know, to kind of like depart. Now, oh. so this bride, and I think I guess I'm sure it's also the groom's idea. It's both of their creative idea. Decided to throw, not a fan, but an air conditioner out the car window. And I、That's、am a, sure a big thing to throw. Yeah, it's very actually, heavy. I, I put in the、uh, the the link to、oh. that if you can、I'll、bring it up. But、sure. I can show this now. See that? <coughs> I I bet it's um um. I think it's a, a fake air conditioner. It's not a real air conditioner.、Uh, okay. Can you imagine throwing out a real conditioner and and wasting all that money? And okay,、anyway. so I put the link in there too. Okay, so it, it's in this funny. I mean, she's actually preparing to throw this air conditioner, which is just like the cover part. It might be just only the you know the the part cap of part of、um, the air conditioner out the car door. So what's the what's car, the deal? What, what what's the message? <laughs> you know, when I first saw this, I thought. Oh, she's like sending a message saying that you know how Taiwanese people, especially if you're like really traditional kind of、um, people, Taiwanese people, they think that air conditioning is not good for you, for your skin. You know, it dries up your 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 skin and everything. It it's、does. not good for you. Yeah. So I thought maybe that's the whole idea that she's sending a message、being、saying that being more natural, being yeah, more、uh, environmental,、right. environmental. <laughs> you know, throw out all your air conditioners at home. You know that kind of thing. But no, actually, I think they're just trying to make it fun. You know, like throwing out something、sure. different. And it turns out. It also it could be because the the groom's family actually sells electric appliances. Oh, <laughs> look at the shot! They got a shot of the whole wedding、oh. party in front、okay. of the store. That's great advertising, and it made the newspaper. Yeah. Hey, they're smart. <laughs> you、look、think so? Free advertising. Now, if you need an air conditioner, you know where to go if you're from the area. So they got a wedding party <coughs> of one, two, three, four, five, six, six. So six、um, bride bridesmaids and six groomsmen. That's、okay.、Fun. In front of the electric appliances store. So yeah, it's their way of、um, you know kind of like promoting their their brand, I guess. But、um, I thought that was really really funny. I mean, who would you know? When I first saw that picture, I was going, "What's going on? Somebody throwing on the air conditioner?" That is out weird. There, but、uh, yeah, it's memorable. It's a creative way to say goodbye to her parents. <laughs> so anyway, so I thought that's very creative. <laughs> If you ever want to make it into the news, you think of creative、do、ways. Do something that—that's、yeah. the way to do it, right? That's fun, right? Gentilari sends our heart, heart, love heart. Okay, so we have a question from Rashi Nas who says, "What is the current situation of COVID nineteen in Taiwan? It is increasing in Pakistan. So,、mm. yes, it's actually doing、like、very well、wave. here. We、yeah. have had over two hundred days with no domestic transmissions." And so I think we have over 500 cases overall,、mm. and only 55 have been domestic transmissions. So most of them have been people who have come in from abroad and caught during quarantine. So、um, we have quarantine here.、Um, if you're coming from overseas, no matter who you are, it's 14 days. But some、mm. people can apply for shorter ones if you have some negative tests and you're on a short business trip. Business trip, yeah. If you got. So yeah. unfortunately,、um, yeah, the whole world is not quite like Taiwan. But、uh, Taiwan has done a few things well. Like we do have quarantine, good contact tracing. So people who have who have the、um, uh, the disease,、mm. then、uh, all their contacts get traced and put in quarantine. Yeah. So it, it doesn't spread very fast, and people wear masks. So hopefully well, I mean, things will get better. They were saying because on Friday I think we got like eight imported cases. And people are worried, thinking that maybe you know there's a surge of like a second wave or something like that. Well, I don't know. I、um, I don't I don't worry too much about Taiwan at all. 
people yeah, here true. are so careful i worry about the rest of the world yeah. So, um, yeah, but that's a good question. And if you have any questions about Taiwan, you can you feel free to ask them during our show. or Drop us a note. Question about RTI or about Shirley, you know, or Me. anything. No. About Natalie. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so anything. Uh, we'll try to answer them. But, um, oh, yeah, Douglas says we could learn a lot from you. So I think that, yeah, the whole world could learn a lot from Taiwan. Hopefully, um, Taiwan is helping out. We mm -hmm. are trying to help out, sending a lot of, you know, face masks around the world. and Yeah, people are really in a good habit of wearing masks, you know, on public transport and even out on the streets. Um, some places do, are not mandatory, but uh, others, when you walk into a mall or something, they'll gently ask you, oh, please put on your mask, you know, and we'll always comply. Yeah. So that's a great thing. Good practice. Right. You guys should try it too. You guys, yeah. I think um, at first I didn't like wearing a mask. Actually, you no, know, I suffocate. I feel it, it doesn't suffocating. feel good. But yeah. um, if you know it's the rule, I would definitely do it. And yeah. I think if your country is still dealing with it, it's a good way to protect yourself and other people. And you don't get sick as easily. I mean, whether it's COVID or not, you know. Yeah, that's true. Or otherwise. Mm -hmm. So Jen says, I certainly hope Taiwan misses out on the third wave. Y'all have been doing so well. Okay, yes, well, I hope so, too. And I hope the U.S. gets better with uh, Biden yeah, right? really. um, in control. So um, we have one more story. A cartoonist writes a comic book about a very special animal. Tell us about this animal. Yeah, we're talking about the extinct Formosan clouded leopard, okay? A beautiful animal. Yeah, um, wait, I'm going to show a picture. Actually, I do have a link. Um, I'll put that in there. This is a cartoon <laughs> caricature of the uh, uh, Formosan clouded leopard. Um, it's extinct. The thing is that the last time they think they spotted a couple in 2018, that's only two years ago, but they couldn't be sure if those were, you know, the, the cloud leopards that they thought that, that they'd seen. But um, these leopards are actually, um, if they're still living, they're actually the second um, largest carniv carnivore after the Formosan black bear, you know? And um, they're really? beautiful. Yeah. They're that big. I know. And and the thing is that this Formosan uh, clouded leopard, it's it looks like a cat. Well, I wish I had a big, better picture of this. But anyway, um, you know, it's like a pretty cat. It's got these cloud um, imprints on their back. That's why they're called, like, clouded. And um, so they were actually, I think, between 1997 and 2012, they tried to spot these um these um, leopards, but to no avail. So that's why it's listed as extinct. Let me show you what one looks like. Oh, yeah, great. So See, that's it's a, a beautiful, beautiful animal. animal. That's right. It really is. You know, um, this is kind of sad, but they were first described in 1862 on the basis of a traded skin with an incomplete tail. Anyway, um, enough about that. I'm talking about the Taiwanese cartoonist, and he's a famous cartoonist. His name is Hembuck, but uh, he goes by Hembao Bao. And um, he's an award-winning Taiwanese cartoonist, and that's him right there. So cool! And so he's making a yeah comic to raise about awareness this. about biodiversity and about you know in memory of the clouded leopard. If they're really, as everybody says, it's extinct. So um, and uh, let me see here. So wait a minute. Where's my so other page? So we we do hope that um yeah. This raises awareness, taking care of our uh, animals and nature and all that. Right. The comic strip is called um, The Beasts of the Clouds, a, a Guardian from Ancient Times. 
and it's available at the National Time Museum. Actually, it's he's doing this in collaboration with the museum. And so part of the original 200-page manuscript is now on display at the museum um, about featuring the leopards. So I think that's that's great. I mean, you know, we need to really love the environment because the reason why the clouded leopards are extinct, it could be human error, you know, um, you know, in pinching on their habitat and things like that, which is kind of sad. Um, one of the Aboriginal tribes in Taiwan think that if you hunt one of these leopards, it's a taboo. So um, it should be I a taboo. hope that, yeah, I hope taboo. that, yeah, it is a taboo. And so I hope that um, there, there's still some living ones. Yeah, I hope we can find some somewhere more, but they are still around. around Taiwan. Well, thanks so much for joining us, um, Jen Delari and Douglas North and all of our friends, Rashid, and all of you who have joined us throughout the show. We're really uh, happy to hear from you and uh, hope you tune in next time. For Here in Taiwan, I am Natalie So. And I am Shirley Lin. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's Hashtag Taiwan. I'm your host, Leslie Liao. Thank you so much for joining me. This week, we're going to delve away from some of the memes and take a look at Taiwan's religion. Now, Taiwan has many religions, including the major ones like Christianity and Islam. But the most prominent in Taiwan is Taiwan's local version of Taoism, which is pretty much Taiwan folk religion. Now, like with all religions, this has its own temples, gods, uh, festivals, and customs. Now, in this week's Hashtag Taiwan, I'm going to be telling you about a woman who's going viral because she's being a very good religious follower. Don't go away because this is a real fun Hashtag Taiwan. When it comes to religion, Taiwan is home to many. You have Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, and many other minor religions. The most prominently featured religion in Taiwan is probably the local version of Taoism. Taiwan Taoism has its gods, its places of worship, and its various holidays. Fun fact! When Foxconn founder Terry Guo announced his run for president, he said he was doing so because the sea goddess Mazu asked him in a dream to run. Now, Mazu is kind of like the big cheese in Taiwan's religion, so it's good practice to do what she says. Like any other faith, Taiwan's folk religion involves prayer. You pray when you want to ask the gods for help, and you pray when you want to say hi to your ancestors. And if you're me, you pray because you don't want to fail university. Don't tell my school that. Usually, people will make offerings by laying food items out on a table and burning incense. On some occasions, people will burn ghost money and help stimulate heaven's economy. But what happens if you really wanted something? Like, what if you needed some serious spiritual support for a certain task? Do you just burn as much ghost money as you can? That's certainly one option, but when the stakes are high, people will sacrifice their own behavior. What do I mean? People will pray for a wish and they'll promise to do something in return if the wish comes true. It's kind of like putting up collateral to the gods. You have to be careful though, because if your wish comes true, then you have to follow through with your promise. So it's best not to get too crazy. If you don't stick to your word, you'll get stuck on a religious blacklist. Uh-oh! Most commonly, people will give up meat for certain periods of time. Wait, if you're a vegetarian, does that mean you just straight up give up food then? One lady is going viral on social media because of a bargain she made with Mazu. Miss Lu, seen dancing here in a dinosaur costume, followed a Mazu pilgrimage with a procession for two days. 
Why? Because she asked Mazu to help her pass a test. In return, she promised to help draw attention to the goddess. Draw attention as in don a dinosaur costume, follow the procession, and dance outside of temples. From the footage, I'm sure you can tell how Lou fared on the test. Whether or not the dinosaur costume was part of the original bargain, I don't know. I can't imagine thinking that far ahead when you're preparing for a test, but maybe Lou is one of those big picture people. The online response to Lou's escapade was rather positive. Many people complimented her for her religious commitment, while others said they found Lou to be a very sincere person. More videos of Lou's dancing surfaced online with someone saying that she should do the dance every year. Dancing in dinosaur costumes? Now that is a religion I can get behind. And that's going to do it for this week's Hashtag Taiwan. I do hope you enjoyed that story about a dinosaur costume, a woman, and her religion. I certainly enjoyed it very much. And if you haven't already, make sure you check out the video version that you can find on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Taiwan Insider or facebook.com slash Radio Taiwan International. You can also hop onto our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash RTI English. You'll find everything there from news videos to older episodes of Taiwan Insider and Hashtag Taiwan. If you enjoy the radio version of Hashtag Taiwan, I highly recommend you check out some of the videos because after all, Hashtag Taiwan is most originally a video show. Everything we show on there has all the memes, all the videos. It's just a nice extra experience. Hey, you also get to see me on it. So what is there really to lose? Anyway, until next week, stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy. I'll talk to you again soon. This is Highlights, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. One of the longest U.S. presidential elections in history has finally wrapped up. And how has the world responded? Well, it's been pretty mixed because Trump is disputing the election. That's right. So far, a lot of U.S. allies have sent congratulatory messages, also India, Turkey, Saudi Arabia. But some other major countries are still waiting. China and Mexico, which Trump has been hostile to, but also leaders that Trump has been closer to, like uh, leaders from Brazil, North Korea, and Russia. So what about Taiwan? Well, Taiwan is in the yes column. Very early on, President Tsai sent out a tweet congratulating him. It was a retweet of his congratulations to her when she won her election in January of this year. Now, half an hour later, the main opposition, Guomindang or KMT, they also tweeted their congratulations to Biden. American people once again show the world how to make democracy work. I'm not so sure about that, right? I mean, not it's... this time around. It doesn't seem to be going too well. So do you think they're being sarcastic? I kind of feel like they are, but... A little bit I, of a jab. I don't know. Yeah, hard to say. <laughs> now, what else is interesting is that the local media has also been a little bit anxious about a Biden win. A storm media column refers to Taiwan as an anxious 51st state. 
From the Liberty Times, which is a pro-ruling party newspaper, netizens worry Biden will be China-friendly. But the MAC chairman says give him the benefit of the doubt. And from the more pro-opposition China Times, will a Biden win be terrible for Taiwan? So something else that's very interesting is that a lot of the green-leaning TV news stations have been talking about these election conspiracy theories about, you know, election fraud, things like that, which is very different from what the DPP administration is, is what their take is. That is interesting. I think they might want Trump to win. Yeah. Maybe they're afraid of Biden or they're insecure they about like Trump Biden. Because he's very pro, it seems to be very anti-China, right? And they right. perceive that as being pro-Taiwan. RTI, exercise for your mind. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. Amanda Harvey is from Australia, but she has been in Taiwan for 17 years. She is the founder of You and Me Taiwan, which is a platform for connecting groups of people, companies, and individuals within Taiwan to help them with international communications, team building, creative thinking, etc., etc. Amanda is also a communications coach and a counselor in mindset training. Last week, she was talking about her life before Taiwan. Today, we're going to begin with more in-depth understanding of mindset training. Yeah, so besides you and me, Taiwan, you've got this part, uh, it's mindset training. That, of course, also involves communicating. Absolutely. But mindset makes me think of like, you know, just what they're thinking in their mind. Yes. And you're helping them kind of organize their thoughts or something? <laughs> well, mindset, basically the way that I would define mindset is the um, set patterns and habits of belief and thought that people have about themselves and about the world in general. So, you know, the things that people think that they are or aren't good at, the things that people believe are possible for themselves um, or that are possible in general, I think all is a really important part of mindset. And it's also about attitude. So, you know, whether someone generally has a more positive kind of optimistic attitude or tends to see the negative side of things. But specifically, it's what people believe to be true. I'm probably going to be jumping around a lot because I've got That's all these fine. questions, you know, or questions in my mind. <laughs> I can try um, some jumping too. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe because I've never really taken like self-improvement kind of classes. Right. I, I, I guess I couldn't really imagine what that is like. I mean, in the right. actual workshop itself. Right. When you do them on Zoom, how many students to to one teacher? That, it, that's, it varies. It varies. Um, it definitely varies. I've what, tried... You just said something about 50. Uh, that is actually what I've done more in person. 
person right. with okay. a group of 50. Now with Zoom, you can't do um, 50, right? Well, you technically can, but so far yeah. I haven't. This yeah. is actually stuff that I'm really just kind of playing with at the moment, seeing yeah. what kind of configurations work, yeah. um, whether small groups are better, whether it does work for bigger groups. But I do think that... What I'm actually doing with my mindset training, the focus that I have at the moment is actually could work with really any number of people because mm. it's actually for people to work individually with me guiding them. Mm-hmm. So giving them a set of questions to go through and getting them to actually think about their answers and then to think about ways in which this is helping them or not helping them. Mm-hmm. And then the parts that are not helping them, how they can actually start to make those particular areas of their thinking or their mindset, how to gradually begin to change those. Because it is definitely a gradual process. It's not that somebody's going to go from thinking, I'm a failure, to thinking, you know, the world is my oyster yeah. overnight. That's a really big jump um, but for someone that feels that things are not going the way that they want them to in some particular area for them at least to then go through some steps of at least believing that it could be possible for them to be more optimistic and for things to go a little bit more the way that they would like them to go mm. so just gradually helping them to retrain their thinking um, to so, be more optimistic. So these clients, they don't just take one workshop with you. I mean, it's a continuous no. kind of thing. Yes. Well, I've actually, I did for a few years, um, a few years ago, I had an online life coaching business, mm. which was working um, one by one oh, with yeah. people. I, yeah, I figured. And I really loved doing that. And mm. the people that I worked with really loved the work that we did together. And that was something that was a really nice part of my career at that stage. What I found at that time was that my kids were younger and doing that and then also I was getting more demand for doing things in person, not only in Taiwan but also around Asia. So I felt that it was a little bit hard to try and juggle everything. So mm-hmm. at that point I shut down my life coaching site. Oh, I see. Um, but now this year, especially because of the pandemic and not having as much travel available or not doing as much in-person um, face-to-face work as what I was doing say a year ago I actually decided to start a new um, website and a new online um, training business uh, and life I decided, coaching you mean well to actually not do life coaching is very broad and I decided okay. to make it a little bit more specific this time and to actually focus on the thing that I'm most interested in and I think is most important is kind of at the basis of really I think everything which is people's mindset um, and people's beliefs about things and to work with them specifically on that so not not necessarily helping them to figure out what is the best career for them but helping them to get to the place where they actually can um, use their own thought processes in a more productive way. Can you talk about one particular example, maybe? Like, yes. um, can I say a success case? A su- yes, a yeah, success case. Yeah, in Taiwan. Case. In Taiwan, talking about um, mindset training or talking about... Anything. Okay, um, well, basically working with a group of teachers who um, are actually teaching English and for them to get to the point where they were much more confident in their teaching abilities, getting better results from their students, um, even classroom discipline, they were able to handle that better after I did this training program with them. 
You're talking about Taiwanese teachers teaching English? Yes. yes. And they're like what? Uh, elementary school teachers or? Yes. Yeah, they yes. are. Elementary okay. school. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was a, one particular example. And education is actually something that I really am quite passionate but passionate about as well because yeah. I think that teaching kids and I think, you know, it just all kind of ties in together. As you mentioned, Taiwan has the goal of becoming um, a bilingual country. Yes. And I think that, you know, giving people, especially kids, the opportunity to actually use their English more and mm. to create, you know, more realistic situations for them and just making it practical, making it something that they can actually connect with. What's it been like teaching Taiwanese people and what kind of clients are you getting mostly? That are coming to you and, you know, opening up workshops with you and well, I've done this a, benefit from you. I've worked with a variety of people in really, a, in really a lot of different types of areas, wow. um, ranging from technology to healthcare. And they um, come to you. They know about you. They come to you. I, I mean, you didn't have to I approach also, them. No, I do also okay. sometimes connect with people to introduce my company because I think that my company is not necessarily all that well known yet. Uh -huh. And so it's no point having a really fantastic service that I can offer if nobody knows that it exists. So I think it's important for me to also connect with people, meet people, let people know what I'm doing. Uh -huh. um, okay. But I think that as time goes by and what I've found in the past is that when people get to know about you and then they will tell other people oh, yeah. about it as well. So I think that it does take time. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. What's your impression of Taiwan? It's um, a lot of things, really, Shirley. Uh, I think, you know, the biggest thing is the people. Taiwanese mm. people are amazing. I mean, they're just friendly and they're warm and they're inclusive. And I find overall non-judgmental that they will accept people and not necessarily make, you know, have preconceptions about somebody based on where they're from. From the first moment that I arrived in Taiwan, and I didn't come to Taiwan with any long-term plan, I came here <laughs> to see my husband and I having been in various different countries. We were like, let's try Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> and I arrived and um, the first moment that I got out of the airport and, you know, other than noticing the intense humidity, yes. what I noticed was just a really warm and, and friendly feeling, family oriented. I think that's another thing that I really like about Taiwan is that it's a very family oriented yeah. place. How, how, uh, how, do you, how do you sense that? family oriented I just noticed that you know all ages of people interact really well with each other that it's oh. not and that's something I noticed just from my early days in Taiwan is that you know teenagers taking care of their parents or grandparents and grandparents taking care of little children oh. and so it is really like a warm family kind of feeling and very inclusive. Right, like feel. living under the same roof with your in-laws kind yes. of thing, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Which I don't doesn't know. always it work doesn't for always work. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a, a Taiwanese mother-in-law, so I'm okay there. <laughs> I believe that can be challenging like in any culture. Yes, yes, it's true, oh. it's true. But yeah, the yeah. people definitely, I think, okay. you know, are one of the things. And just, just the feeling, the atmosphere, I have felt, you know, since I've been in Taiwan, that it's just been a really nice place to be. It's quite relaxed. People are not, you know, they're not that serious a lot of times about things like that. Um, I think, you know, just the relaxed style as well. I came 
before Taiwan, I was in Seoul in South Korea. Uh-huh. And that's very, very fast paced. And, mm. you know, people are very serious overall. And um, just even the style of clothing. I mean, I like quite a relaxed lifestyle. And in Seoul, people are dressed up and made up, you know, to the, the max. Uh-huh. You I've know, not you been need to Seoul yet. Yeah. You need to put on your three inch heels just to walk down to the convenience store, <laughs> <laughs> like an inch of makeup. Um, Apparently, and, Japan's like that too. Yeah, yeah, right. I think yeah, Korea. I noticed, especially there, is very, very um, uh, appearance conscious, uh-huh, and, you know, uh-huh. and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it can be really nice and stylish, and but I think for me, Taiwan is a little bit more relaxed, and I feel that I don't have to be so um, necessarily so formal all the time. I can just be more myself. Oh, that and I is feel so neat. Maybe some kind of comparison to Australia as well. Uh, yeah. I feel that, that Taiwan and Australia have some things in common, just being fairly relaxed and uh, the people being quite friendly and helpful. What about the food and everything? Is that all? Of that's course, all I love the food. <laughs> <laughs> the food is great. <laughs> I've always loved Asian food. Even really? when I lived in Australia, I actually, prior to leaving Australia, I lived really close to Chinatown and I used to eat Chinese food like at least three times a week. Oh. <laughs> and it's funny, but that's one of the things when I was living in Portugal, I missed good Chinese food oh, <laughs> I really did yeah. there at that time I mean that was 20 years ago there was no good Chinese food we found one Chinese restaurant in Portugal and it was terrible it was like <laughs> nothing like what I'd had before so, you yeah, tried to learn Chinese cooking um I'm not a cook my husband oh. is a great cook um, oh. and he can cook all different kinds of styles he does really basically he does kind of a fusion of a lot of different things oh, my goodness. Um, not a typical uh-huh. um style of any particular one nationality but yeah uh, yeah. well Well, I think we don't need to cook Chinese food because we can go out the door and eat fabulous food everywhere here that's the other thing the convenience here in Taiwan right really convenient yes yeah having the population I mean the population of Taiwan is basically the same population as Australia, but we are spread out so far <laughs> that yes. you've just got to go a really long way for anything in right. Australia. I mean, yeah. in the city is not as much, but right. still, it's just here is really convenient. Yeah, and oh. the opening hours too. I mean, you can buy anything at any time in Taiwan. That's right. In Australia, when I was there, and it may be a little different now, but you know, there were closing times. Like if you wanted to shop after six, there are twenty-four hour supermarkets and yeah. things like that. Okay. But a lot of shops will close. At six o'clock oh really evening so oh wow yeah. what advice do you have to Taiwanese people in terms of you know your specialty yes right or what have you seen mm-hmm. in Taiwanese people mm-hmm. and what what areas do you see probably needs improvement that mm-hmm. people Taiwanese people can do better I think one thing really is to develop confidence and that's easier said than done but I think that a lot of Taiwanese people even who have a lot of expertise in their particular fields don't always have the confidence to communicate that. And I know that part of that is language skills, um, that it's not necessarily that easy to come across as professional. Even if you have knowledge, it's like if you asked me to talk about my specialty in Chinese, it would be way, way harder for me to do that. I wouldn't probably do a very good job at all. But just to believe in their own abilities, to have the confidence even to just speak up and and, and, you know, to really try and, and make yourself understood whether or not you think that you can express yourself perfectly or not. But I do think that just 
daring to actually speak up and be heard. Um, I do think it's a cultural thing as well. And sometimes that can be a little bit of an obstacle in dealing in the international kind of arena, because in Taiwanese culture, it's not really a done thing to to kind of toot your own horn, so to speak, uh-huh. to talk about how great you are at something. Whereas in Western culture, we do a little bit more of that. You know, oh. we're not shy in, in actually expressing. Oh, it's actually know, the shyness, we, right? Yes, yes shyness, that issue, I think, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah, shyness yeah. can really be a question. So how can people find you? I mean, do you have a website? The best ways for people to contact me would be maybe to send me a request on LinkedIn. Amanda Harvey in Taiwan. I think there's a lot of Amanda Harveys in the world, oh. but I might be the only one in Taiwan. Thank you, Amanda. Shirley, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kHz. In South Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti at rti.org.tw.